Praise the Lord. Well, if you would take your Bible and turn to Colossians chapter number 3, Colossians chapter 3, and uh, we're going to read just two verses tonight. Um, well, we'll look at a lot of other verses, but we're just going to stand and read these uh, two, Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, and if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word very quickly. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 18 and 19. The Word of God says this, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. And let's pray together one more time. Father, thank you for the service thus far. Thank you for the good services this morning and uh, for the preaching of Brother Randy. And thank you, Lord, for his willingness to uh, fill in today, and, and uh, Lord, I thank you now for the opportunity to look into your word and examine something that your word is very plain and clear about. Help us, Lord, to understand and to apply these principles into our homes. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, we're going through this series, Risen with Christ, and going through the book of Colossians, and now we come to a little section here on marriage. And so we're going to look today, uh, tonight, at Christian marriage. Now, your Bible is open to Colossians chapter 3, but we're going to also be in Ephesians chapter number 5. So if you kind of want to get that ready and be ready to flip back and forth a few times as we go through this message, uh, because... Colossians chapter 3 is a little summary of what Paul said to the church at Ephesus where he expanded it a little bit more. So we're going to go into that. Um, I'm going to take this opportunity to uh, cover a few of those, uh, cover that passage as well, a little bit as well. So um, now let's just do a quick review of what we learned so far in Colossians chapter number 3. We saw that our status... Uh, we saw what our status is as believers, that we are risen with Christ, and as a result, we should seek those things which are above. And then we should, in verse number 5, mortify our members on this earth. And uh, then we are, should put off the grave clothes of the old man and uh, put off all those things, uh, because we no longer need those things. Why? Because we're risen with Christ. We don't need those grave clothes anymore. And then instead, we should put on the grace clothes of the new man. Uh, verse 12 talks about putting on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. In verse 14, and above all these things, put on charity. And so we're to put on the grace clothes of the new man. Then we are to focus on the inner man as well. In verses 15 and 16, we see that we're to let the peace of God rule in our hearts inside. Verse 16, we're encouraged to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom. And uh, we're to be involved in uh, good, godly Christian worship in verses 16. And then verse 17 tells us also uh, to be sure that our words and our walk is pleasing to the Lord. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So Paul says that our new life is in Christ, and the fact that we are risen with Christ is now, uh, he gets into the fact that it's to be lived out in the home. And particularly within the marriage relationship, the fact that we are risen with Christ needs to be evident in our marriages. If you and I are believers, it should be different than it was before we became a Christian or what somebody who is not a believer uh, lives like. We ought to be different. Now, marriage, of course, was the first institution ordained by God way back in the Garden of Eden. God's plan for the home has not changed in 6,000 years, by the way. And I realize that in 2022, culture has changed, but God's design and plan for the home has not changed. The home, as God established it, is still, yes, even in 2022, going into 2023 soon, uh, is still one man and one woman united in holy matrimony. This marriage then and now is for the purpose of companionship, nurturing, protection, 
and fruitfulness. And God has given, yes, in the New Testament here, some instruction and expectation for us within the Christian marriage relationship. And so let's dive into it tonight and look at some special things, special aspects about the the Christian marriage relationship. First of all, I want us to see here that there are special roles within the Christian marriage. Notice here in verse number 18 and verse number 19, the first two words, or the first word of each of those verses uh, indicates that there's a special role. So he mentions wives first, that's one role. And then in verse 19, he mentions the other role, husbands. And I realize this is not rocket science. You're like, man, I came to church and heard that? That's simple. Well, this culture doesn't exactly get it. Uh, This culture seems to be a little confused, so we kind of need to go through the basics again. And see, there are two different roles here uh, within the marriage relationship. Notice it doesn't say wives and wives. And notice it doesn't say husband and husband. There's, There's wives and then husbands. There's one of each, and not multiple of each, just one of each. So it goes back to the truth of God's word that there are only two genders, male and female, and that they have two different roles within the marriage. And in case you're wondering what those roles are within the marriage, here's a quick story to help us understand. January 1992, at 1 a.m., one very tired mom heard a cough. Sure, she said, I bolted from my sleep to a standing, running position, and in one leap made it to the bathroom and flipped on the light to find my six-year-old daughter sitting on the edge of the tub. The stuff from her tummy was all over the floor, all over the lid of the toilet and herself. She said, I then proceeded to clean the floor and surrounding areas, then placed Sarah into the tub to wash her down. And as I turned on the shower, Sarah said, Mom, with a wrinkled nose and a hesitant voice, I I threw up on Colette too. Colette is her nine-year-old sister who happens to share the bed. So she said, I closed the curtain and ran to see. I met Colette in the hallway, and she said Sarah had thrown up on her. I turned on the bedroom light, and much to my amazement, there was the dreaded sight of Sarah's dinner on five blankets, two pillows, two sheets, a baby blanket, and Colette's pajamas. I bundled it all up into the bottom sheet and placed it at the back door. I put fresh bedding on the bed and placed a bucket beside Sarah. Then I crawled back in my own bed, and at which time my well-covered, half-asleep husband inquired, Honey, what's wrong? Now that's a couple that understands their special roles within the marriage relationship. (laughs) Just kidding, obviously. Now seriously, I'm surprised... It didn't say Julie, because that may have happened on a couple of occasions in our marriage. But God has indeed given the wife a special role within the marriage, and God has given the husband a special role to fulfill in the marriage relationship. And peace and joy and harmony can only be found when they fulfill that special role. Now, some of you may remember the song that says, Anything you can do, I can do better. No. Look, women are not meant to do everything that God expects a man to do. And men are not meant to do everything that God expects a woman to do. I I like what Pastor Adrian Rogers said when he asked this question. Who is better, men or women? Well, the answer to that question, Pastor Rogers would say, is yes. A man is infinitely superior to a woman at being a man. And a woman is infinitely superior to a man at being a woman. Men and women are different by design. Neither is superior to the other, but they are very, very different. 
But we see in our culture today a blurring of these roles. Uh, today we don't want anything to be too specific to what gender it's supposed to be for. For instance, I read this week that the CDC on their, and again, I don't know that we all would count them as the final authority, um, but the CDC on their flu vaccine guidance webpage, here's what they did. They replaced the phrase pregnant woman with pregnant people. So the terms women and woman have been quietly scrubbed from CDC um, and prevention guidance on flu vaccines during pregnancy. They've been replaced by the gender-neutral terms pregnant people, and they, they've taken women out and put there or erased, uh, erased them entirely. Now, I'm not Mr. Science, but uh, I'm not really sure. I really don't think men can get pregnant. So I don't know why they did that. It's why, here's what's happening. Culture's trying to remove the special roles that God has designed. That's really what it's all about. And you know, even in Christian marriages, sometimes there's this idea where the woman says, hey, I can do everything that my husband can do, and I can do it better. And sometimes there's the opposite, where the husband says, hey, I don't really need my wife around. I can kind of do everything around here. No, no, there's special roles for each, each person. So whatever role God gave you, I would encourage you to embrace it. Don't try to be like the other because then it fights against God's design. Be who God made you to be. Don't fight against it because ultimately you're fighting against God. God if you, God made you a wife, be a wife. And fulfill the scriptural um, commands here and, and, and don't try to say, well, I need to lead this home. No, that's not your role. Well, my husband's not doing it. Fulfill your role. And, and, and husbands, we need to fulfill our role too. And when both are doing it, boy, that's harmony. That's heaven on earth. So there are special roles, but I want us to see, secondly, there are special ranks within the marriage relationship. So I mentioned Ephesians chapter 5, if you would go ahead and, and flip back over there, because God makes it very clear that God set up a special structure for the home, that He designed the husband to be the head of the wife, that he is to have authority. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And that's a very comparable verse to the one in Colossians. But then in verse 23, uh, the Lord explains a little bit more about that. He says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, verse 24, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So the way God set it up in marriage is that the husband is the head of the wife. So there's ranks here. And of course, God is a God of order, right? Uh, he is not the author of confusion, in fact, to the church at Corinth, he said in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order, including the home. And we know that God is a God of order, and he's established this in really every aspect. Uh, we know that there are different ranks within government. We know that there's the commander-in-chief, and then on down it goes. This is true in business. There's the CEO and, and uh, on down the, uh, the organization structure or chart, it goes. But there's someone who has the, it's all, it's all within rank. This is true in the church as well. Um, there's the pastor and there's, again, not to say that I'm the head of the church. No, no, the Lord Jesus is above me. We understand that he's the head of the church. It says that right here in the verse. It says Jesus is the head of the church. But then uh, he has put pastors to give oversight and to feed the flock of God. So it's true in church. It's true in schools. 
There's a principal and vice principal, and on it goes. This is true in many other types of organizations, and this is very much true within marriage. There are special ranks. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that husbands are better than wives at all. Nor does it mean that wives are better than husbands. It's just the structure that God has set up. And, um, and you say, well, I don't agree with that. I don't like that. I'm sorry, that's the Word of God. <laughs> like, your argument's not with me. You take it up with Him. He's the one that designed it. Um, now, when, when God says that he, man or the husband is the head of the wife, that doesn't mean that he gets to be the dictator and bark orders all day at his wife. A headship doesn't mean dictatorship. It means loving leadership. I was thinking about it just like in my body, my head. Do, do I, does, does my head look down on my feet? Yeah, kind of it does, okay? In order for me to see my feet, I have to look down on it. But, like, I care about my feet. My head cares about my feet. My, hair, my head cares about every part of my body. It, it needs every part. And, and, and the head doesn't just say, well, I don't need my wife. Yeah, uh, it does too. Husbands do need to recognize that they absolutely need uh, their wife. Now, uh, we do know that there is equality in Christ. Okay? Genesis 1.27, In creation, God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So both male and female are created in the image of God. And then in Galatians 3.28, we see that there is equality when it comes to the ground is level at the cross. Where he says this in Galatians, uh, God says this, Neither is there Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. So, the ladies, you have as much access to God's uh, throne room as all the men here. We have equal access to Him. You're not lesser than the men, men aren't lesser than the women. We're all one in Christ. The ground is level at the cross, which, by the way, was quite revolutionary, was a quite a revolutionary thought at the time, because women at that time were viewed as lesser than men. But as the home functions, there is a God-ordained structure. And once again, it is God's design. And if we accept that and embrace that, we can find joy and harmony. But it's when we fight against God's design and think that it doesn't apply to us for one reason or another, then we end up finding strife, conflict, misery, and heartache. So tonight, embrace the rank that God has placed you in. If you're a husband, understand that God has placed you as the head. You better be a good head. You better be a good, loving leader in your home. And if you're a wife, don't try to be the head. Because God hasn't placed you in that position. That's not your rank. Now, I don't know, I've never been in the military, but uh, for those who have, I would just say, if someone ever broke rank, that probably would be a no bueno thing. Now, once again, this doesn't mean that because you're not the head doesn't mean you're not better. Um, I would assume in the military, there's those who are way lower ranks who perhaps are more intelligent than the ones who are, have higher ranks. Okay, there's a lot of nodding going on for those in the military. They're like, oh, yeah. But just because you may know better doesn't mean you get to call the shots. Just because you may be more equipped to make the call, it's still not your place to make it. Same is true within the marriage relationship. Uh, wives, you may know better. Just because you may know better doesn't mean that you have that place, that rank to make the call. And so, find, know what your rank is and stay within that rank. There are special ranks. Number three, there are special responsibilities. And this is where we get into the specific commands given in this passage here in both Ephesians and Colossians. Uh, going back to Colossians here, in verse number 18 of chapter 3, Paul says, Wives, here's what you're supposed to do. Here's your responsibility. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. And in Ephesians, the first 
spouse mentioned in marriage in the book of Ephesians is also the wife in verse number 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is unto the Lord. And if you go to the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 and you look in that passage, the first uh, spouse reference there is also the wife. Now, her responsibility is primarily to submit to the authority of her own husband, to show reverence and respect for him and his authority. And the word submit, by the way, means to place in order, to place under in an orderly fashion. So really, to submit means to place yourself underneath the loving authority of your husband. Allowing him to be the leader of your home and of your marriage. By the way, the tense of this command is in the present imperative, which indicates a continual action. In other words, not a one-time event, but a continual thing that you're continually submitting to your husband. By the way, I do want to remind you that the Bible does not say submit to your husband, so long as you completely, totally are in agreement with him. <laughs> because that's easy to submit in that moment, and really, you're not submitting. You're just agreeing with what's going on here. But when he's leading in a direction or making a decision that you may not agree with, what are you willing to do at that point? Now, God's Word here teaches submit. And I'm going to give you a caveat, an exception clause in a moment. But before you pull that out, the Bible does say that we are to submit, or the ladies are supposed to submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. If you go back to Galatians 5, what does he say there exactly? In verse 22, listen to this. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. You say, if you knew the imperfections of my husband, you would have a hard time submitting too. Well, the thing is, is I know my own imperfections, and I know how difficult it must be for my wife to submit to me. No husband in here is perfect. But it doesn't say, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as long as he's perfect. Because that, it doesn't say that. Let's keep reading here. Verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. And listen to this verse, 24. As, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ. So let the wives be to their own husbands. And don't you wish there was a period after that? But there's three more words in that verse, isn't there? So let the wives be to their own husbands in most things. The things that you agree with. No, it says in everything. In everything. Um, while husbands and wives are indeed both to submit to the Lord and to even to, to each other, back in Ephesians 5 and verse number uh, 21, says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. But whenever there's an impasse where it's like, hey, I see it this way, and the husband says, no, I see it this way, and this is the way we're going to go, the wife has to come underneath that authority, and submit. There was one time, and I have shared this many times in my Sunday school class as we teach the Cornerstone couples, so you'll remember this story. But uh, we, were, um, we had kitchen cabinets in California that had been ruined because of a, a leak in the, in the sink area, and, and we got an insurance claim, and we were able to get a uh, pretty good deal on uh, some new cabinets from a local cabinet air, uh, shop in the area. And um, my wife really, really wanted to put these and install these cabinets um, by calling her dad to come and, and help with this. And uh, she really wanted to do this before the holidays because we were going to have people visiting and she really wanted to show off these new cabinets because what we had was just, well, ugly. 
<laughs> and I couldn't blame her in that regard, but what had happened in, in my life at that time was our church was going through a difficult time. This was around the 2008 period of time where um, we had the recession and, and the giving at the church was going down. I was on staff and the pastor said, we're going to have to cut people's salaries. That ended up happening, and he said, if you need to get another job to supplement what we need to cut you, go ahead and do that. So I went and looked for a, a pizza delivery job, and so I got hired on at Domino's Pizza, and I was about to start working. And I thought, Julie, the thing is, uh, I've got so much going right now with this new job, and I want to make sure that I'm, we're making ends meet. I don't really think that's the priority right now, putting those cabinets in. It's not like it's broken. Um, we, we have some water damage, but we can live with it and wait until we get past the holidays, past the chaos. And she said, but I think we can get it all done right now. And I said, Julie, we're not going to get it done right now because we're not going to do it. And she just didn't understand. She didn't, and I said, I hate to do this, but I'm going to pull out the card. You need to submit. She didn't like it at first. But finally she agreed and said, okay. And she tells a story, and she gives her side of it as well, and shares that she was glad that she waited and, and gave into that later on. <laughs> At the moment, we were not, we were not BFFs uh, for, for, a, for a little while. But that was a time where we were at an impasse, and it was like, this is how I see it, and she's like, but this is how I see it, and we disagreed. She needed to come underneath that authority, and I'm thankful that she did. I'm thankful that she did, and I think she is thankful she did as well. It took a little time, but I'm, I'm, I know she's thankful that she's... Are, are you thankful you did that? People are looking at you going, is he telling the truth? <laughs> yeah. See, husbands and wives are, yes, supposed to submit to the Lord and even to each other, but there does need to be a recognition of the ranks that God has set up, and for her to remain in her proper rank, to submit to the leadership of her husband as unto the Lord, trusting that God gave her husband to her with his strengths and weaknesses. When a Christian woman is submitted to the Lord and to her own husband, she experiences a joy and a fulfillment that she can have in no other way. Again, when you fight against this, it doesn't lead to joy. It doesn't lead to happiness. It doesn't lead to fulfillment. It's only when you get God's design and submit yourselves ultimately to the Lord's design. Ephesians 5, verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Uh, friend, dear sister, this is a matter of obedience to God. Not a matter of, well, yeah, my husband's an idiot, or not. Because the truth is, I've been an idiot at times. No amens necessary there. Thank you for not saying any. My wife wanted to say a few, but she's like, ah, women are supposed to be silent in church. so. Um, but it's a matter of obedience unto the Lord rather than depending on whether you think he's in his right mind or not at that moment. Now, here is the caveat. Here is the exception clause. It says in uh, Colossians 3 and verse number uh, 18, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Uh, one, one application of that aspect, that last little aspect, is so long as he is not leading you to um, go against or to disobey the Word of God, so long as he's not saying, hey, let's go rob a bank, and you're like, well, i got to put myself under his authority. No, no, at that point, you can call a timeout. If, God, if your husband's leading you to sin, that's not something you need to submit to because your ultimate, your higher authority is God, and, and your uh, main allegiance needs to be to him. I was thinking uh, a biblical example of this was Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter number 5 when they lied to the Holy Spirit. And they were unified in this scenario. Now, unity usually is a good thing in marriage, but this is where Sapphira probably should have called a timeout and said, Honey, I love you, but I'm not going to lie. 
I, it, it, you know, you, you do you, but I am not going to lie. I'm not going to go against the truth here. I'm not going to lie to the Lord about something that is not true. She should have done that, but as a result, uh, she ended up dying just like her husband did. So here it's mentioned that wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. In Titus, the book of Titus, wives are instructed to obey their own husbands. Okay, so that's the responsibility for the wife. But what about the husband? I was really hoping the rapture would happen before I got to this, <laughs> this part of the, the service. But for the husband, in Colossians chapter 3, there it balances out. Uh, in Colossians 3 and verse number 19, here it is. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. So... Yes, there's responsibility for the wife, but there's also responsibility for the husband. And to be honest, um, I would argue they have the greater responsibility. Now, it's not that husbands are sit, to sit down and bark orders at his wife all day and say, yeah, give me something to drink and, and uh, when, when's dinner going to be done? And you, you, you need to you know, clean up around here. This is, place is disgusting. That's the opposite of what we should be doing as husbands. That is not loving our wives as Christ loved the church. So, less wives think, oh yeah, well husbands have it easy, all they get to do is come home and tell us what to do. That's not what... That, you're reading into something that's not there. And husbands who think that that's what your job is, you are sadly mistaken, because we're called to love our wives and in that love is, is a sacrificial love. If you go back to Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse 25. Husbands. So here the wives are given one, two, three verses. Husbands are given one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, seven. I mean, on it goes. Uh, five or six verses dedicated to husbands here in Ephesians chapter number 5. So husbands, I would say we have the greater responsibility to love our wives in verse 25, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So men ought, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man that yet ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. So this love that we're to have for our wives is, and there's a few different Greek words for love um, that are translated love. But this one is the word agape, and that is the selfless, sacrificial love. Not, I love you, I love you, now what's in it for me? I love you, now you scratch my back. Now, this type of love is concerned with meeting her needs without expecting anything in return. And by the way, just like for the, for the wives, this verb on loving your wife is also in the present imperative, which indicates a continual action. Not a one-time thing that you said at your wedding altar one day, hey, I love you, isn't that enough? No, 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 this is something that should be evident on a very regular basis, a continual thing. This is a major need for the wife. She needs to feel that love, which is why God has given us that command as husbands. Uh, there was a lady in Spain who made the news when she chose a very unique way to test her husband's love. And with the help of a friend, she manipulated her own kidnapping and sent a ransom notice to her husband. And when the police discovered the kidnapping was a hoax, they asked the lady why she did it. She said, I wanted to find out what my husband would do for me, she replied. She really just wanted to feel loved and see how far he would go to bring her back. 
because this is a major need for the wife. She needs to feel that love. So husbands, we are called to give that love to them on a continual basis. And some husbands might say, well, I'm not really sure exactly how to love my wife and in what ways I can express that love. I have absolutely no clue. And, uh, well, here's the deal. In 1 Peter chapter 3, the Apostle Peter, after he gets done talking to the wives about what they're to do, he nails the husbands. And he instructs husbands to dwell with our wives according to knowledge. That we are to get to know her to the point that we know what communicates love to her. And, uh, and I, I know you might be thinking, okay, you're insinuating that I can understand my wife. That's a fool's errand, my friend. <laughs> um, I'm not saying you're going to ever completely understand everything about her because women, you know, uh, are wonderfully and fearfully made. <laughs> but here's, here's a pro tip uh, that is not original with me. I heard this, and it's so simple. It's so duh. I heard this at a retreat, I think, um, but here's the deal. Um, if you're wondering what communicates love to her, here's the pro tip. You ready for this one? Ask her. Ask her. Seriously, ask her. Honey, what can I do to communicate love to you better? What things do I do that shout, I love you? What things don't communicate that you love me? <laughs> and uh, so when you're at a date night or something like that, that's a great question to throw out there. And guess what? She knows. And she's going to be like, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and she's going to pull out this you know, big scroll of paper. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to ask this question. Okay, let's see. Do you want me to go in alphabetical order, or do you want me to go in number of priority? So I guess I would say, ladies, be nice when he does ask you this question, and be patient and gracious. But husbands, even if you've been married for a long time, it's probably a good idea to ask this question every once in a while because those things change as time goes on, depending on what stage of life you're in. I mean, back when we were first married, you know, or maybe when you were first married, a communication of love would be stopping by and getting a, a, a box of chocolates and bringing them home. And, and her going, wow, thank you for thinking of me. You, you brought my favorite candy home. And then once kids come into the picture, then it's kind of like, hey, you know what really, really do it for me? You just changed that blowout diaper over there. <laughs> that would really... Communicate love. Okay? The kids grow up. Well, obviously, there's no diapers. Hopefully, there's no more diapers around. <laughs> so things get changed. I remember when our kids were smaller, out of diapers, and, or maybe still in diapers. I don't remember exactly. But there were several times when my wife was like, you know, she was home with them, and, and I'd be at work. And, you know, yes, it's stressful at work, but actually, it's kind of a retreat from <laughs> all the chaos that's going on at home. And, and, and she was like, hey, this is just crazy. Seth did this to Luke, and Luke did this to Faith, and on and on it went. And, and I'm like, hey, you know what? Sounds like you need a break. Why don't you go and go out to dinner by yourself and, uh, or go shopping, uh, but keep the credit cards with me. And uh, <laughs> you know, go, go do what you want to do for the evening, and I'll stay and hang out with the kids, and I'll take care of them. And, and I... Those times, I think, uh, really helped uh, her to kind of, you know, breathe a little bit and uh, be able to handle that. So ask her, what can I do to communicate love for you right now in this season of our life? That's a great question for husbands to ask. Um, and again, please, ladies, be gracious there. And uh, don't be like, oh, I'm glad you asked, you know. I've been meaning to talk to you about this. No, be gracious and kind and, and let him know a couple things. If you give him 87 things, don't expect him to remember all of them, all right? But notice here, not only are we to love our wives as Christ loved the church and to sacrifice and to serve selflessly, but we're also here instructed in Colossians 3.19 to 
not be bitter against her. Not be bitter against her. And that's curious. It's an interesting statement. So husbands, we must be careful not to harbor bitterness toward our wives because of something she did or because of something she did not do. We're instructed in the Word of God to be very careful about bitterness and to not let it be a part of us. In Ephesians 4.31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So we're not to harbor any of these, uh, these negative thoughts that may come into our minds and our hearts because of something she did or did not do. Hebrews 12.15, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. A lot of marriages end tragically because of husbands not guarding this and not dealing with these things that come up in their hearts towards their wives about, again, something she did or something she didn't do that he thinks they should be doing to them. My pastor told me I was about to marry Julie, and I, he and I went on a, a road trip, or not a road trip, we went on an errand together, and, and I had him in the car, and I said, hey, pastor, I'm about to get married, and he said, yeah, this is, this is getting exciting, it's getting close, and I said, do you have any just last-minute advice before I get married? And he said, I guess if I had to boil it down to one thing, I would probably say, don't sweat the small stuff. He said, there's going to be some big stuff that is going to come into your life. Don't let the little things ruin your marriage. And you know what my pastor said was really wise because Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said something very similar in Song of Solomon 2.15 where he said, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. What the application on that is this, look, um, our marriage has these tender grapes filled with sweetness. What would happen is these little foxes, these little tiny things come in and, and steal the sweetness off the vine. It's not usually something big, it's usually something small that comes in and, and steals the sweetness of our marriage. And Solomon said, gather those foxes, let's, let's, let's trap them and get rid of them. Let's not let them keep having access uh, to, to us and to our marriage. I think a lot of times marriages end because we've allowed little things to come in and steal the sweetness away from our marriage. This bitterness that comes in, and, and that sweetness isn't there, that, that sweet fellowship and that sweet intimacy that God desires that we would have within marriage is gone because we've allowed these little foxes to come and steal it away. So husbands, if you've been bitter towards your wife, I would encourage you to, as the Word of God says, be not bitter against them. Get rid of those foxes, whatever they may be. Forgive your wife and move on in, 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 in sweetness. Move on. Because here's what happens. A rattlesnake if cornered, will sometimes become so angry it will bite itself. And that is exactly what the harboring of hate and resentment against others is, a biting of oneself. We think that we're harming others and holding these spites and hates, but the deeper harm is to ourselves. So when you have bitterness not dealt with, it's going to end up hurting you. And ultimately, it's going to end up hurting her as well. So be not bitter. Those are the responsibilities, the special responsibilities. And last thought here very quickly. There is a special reflection. Or at least, there should be a special reflection in our marriages. There's an interesting verse in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 32. As he gets done talking about the wives and her responsibilities, the husband and his responsibilities, he gets to verse 32 and says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So marriage revealed really the mystery of the relationship that Christ has with the church. So here it is revealed to us that our marriages are also supposed to reflect the relationship that Christ has with His bride, the church. 
And our marriages best reflect that when each spouse understands their role, their rank, their responsibilities, and fulfill them as unto the Lord. The marriages that have a wife who leads the relationship is not the correct reflection of Christ's relationship with the church, is it? Can you, I mean, in, in, in Ephesians chapter uh, number 5, verse 24, therefore as the church is subject unto Christ, we don't get to go to Christ and say, hey, here's how it's going to go down, okay? You know, I understand what your word says here, but I don't like it, I don't agree with it, so here's what we're going to do instead. That's not the way that relationship works. And yet, there are too many, even Christian marriages, that have a wife who leads that relationship and who tells her husband those type of things. Hey, I understand what you want to do. That's not how it's going to work. Here's what we're going to do instead. It's not the right reflection of Christ's relationship with His church. I mean, in that relationship between the Lord Jesus and His church, it would be preposterous to think that the church would order Jesus around. And yet, how many marriages operate where the wife is the one in charge? It's not the right picture. Uh, what about the marriages where the husband is lazy and passive and selfish, only thinking about himself? It's not the right reflection because that's not the way the Lord is with the church. He cares and he's active and engaged in the ministry of the church. So husbands need to be engaged and lovingly leading his wife. The ones where the wife berates the husband and totally undermines his authority, it's not the right reflection of Christ in the church. The ones where the husband is afraid of his wife, I mean, if mama ain't happy, ain't no one happy. I saw a t-shirt that said, if mama ain't happy, ain't no one happy. And then it went on, if grandma ain't happy, dot, 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 run. <laughs> I hope nobody actually has to wear that t-shirt. Um, I know it's supposed to be funny, and, but, but really it's, it's not funny, is it? Uh, because it's not the right reflection of what it should be. It, look, when people see our marriages, they should get a good picture of the relationship Christ has with the church, not a false reflection. What about the ones where the husband neglects his wife and spends time on other pursuits? It's not the right reflection. Jesus deeply cares about the church and, and invests time and energy, I mean, in, in, in a different way than we would as husbands, but, but He cares deeply and He's engaged. But on the other hand, I've given you some negative examples, but listen to this one. The marriage. The marriage is where the husband lovingly sacrifices and leads his bride and where the wife reverences and respects and submits and obeys her husband. Now that's the right reflection. So how good is your marriage at reflecting the relationship Christ has with the church? Can people look at your marriage and see it? I hope so. Our marriages are supposed to reflect Christ and His bride, the church. And before we wrap this up, though, I do want to draw your attention to one more thing here in Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter 3. And this is, again, not very profound, but still important. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, Paul addresses the wives and then the husbands. And then he brings up the children in the home in verse 20. And, and even before he brings up parenting in verse 21, he first speaks to the married couple. And this is not coincidence. This is not an accident. This goes to show that for those married, the most important person should be your spouse. And I believe that sadly in many marriages, once children come into the picture, they become more important than their spouse. Where they kind of drop everything in their marriage because after all, we've got to take care of Junior. And their desire to provide and protect their children becomes the numero uno priority, even to the point of making them more important than their spouse in practice. If you were to ask them, I mean, is your spouse important? Oh, yes, yes, yes. But when you look at their actions, it says something completely different. So God's order here is marriage first, 
By the way, we're going to learn this next time as we get into parenting, that the greatest uh, thing that you can do for your children to help them is to provide a good, strong marriage. And when that's right, then a lot of these other things do kind of take care of themselves. It's not a guarantee, obviously, but that is the number one thing we can do is have a good, strong, a good, close marriage where they're not worried about mom and dad splitting apart. So let me wrap this up here. We who are believers are risen with Christ, and it should be evident in our bodies. It should be evident in that I'm no longer wearing the grave clothes of the old man. It should be evident that I'm now wearing the grace clothes of the new man. It should also be evident in our marriages. So tonight, for those married, for those yet to be married, let's remember our special role that God has given to us. Let's not fight against it. Let's not wish it was the other role, but to embrace the one that God's given to us. And to understand our rank that God has given to us, and it's His design, and let's find and be okay with the rank that God's given to us and our special responsibilities. But then may our special reflection of Christ in the church motivate us to obey the Scriptures and fulfill what He has said here. And let's go ahead and pray together tonight. Lord, we thank You for the time together this evening to look at this Oh, very special and oh, very important human relationship. The most important human relationship between two people in all of human relationships, the marriage relationship. God, I pray that you would help us today, tonight, to understand what your word has to say about this and to submit ourselves ultimately to you and to your word regarding this topic. I pray that I pray for wives here. And I pray for husbands, Lord, for each one to fulfill their God-given responsibilities as unto you, regardless of their spouse's actions, regardless of whether they get anything in return or not. Help them to do it out of submission and obedience and love for you. God, I pray that it would motivate and create good changes within the marriage. And God, I thank you for the opportunity to look at what your word has to say, and I'm thankful your word has to say some things about marriage. We need it. We need it. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us all to be not just now good hearers of the word, but now good doers of the word. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.